The scripture reading this morning is from the Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. When a bride and a groom exchange rings at a wedding here at Kenilworth Union, I ask them to repeat this phrase after me. Kathy, I give you this ring as a seal of our covenant. As this ring has no end, neither shall my love for you. And the inspiration for that language is this passage from Song of Songs. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly scorned. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ira Bayak is Professor Emeritus at the Geisel School of Medicine at Dartmouth University and has been working in palliative care since his medical residency in 1978. So he's been working with the terminally ill and their families for about 40 years. He's one of the pioneers in the craft of hospice care. And you learn a lot about a good death when you are working in the exceptional vivid crucible of hospice care when both the patient and their families know that time is very short. And so in 2004, Dr. Bayak wrote a little book called The Four Things That Matter Most. When time is short and you have to say goodbye for the last time, these are the four things you need to say. I love you. Please forgive me. I forgive you and thank you. Now this book is about people who, for whom time is short, but the book is for all of us. We act as if we have all the time in the world and maybe you don't plan on dying for another, another 60 or 80 years and you may be right, but you know how Ray Charles puts it, right? Act every day as if it were your last because one of these days you're going to be right. And William Shakespeare has Richard II say, I wasted time, and now time doth waste me. So don't waste time, or time will waste you. So let's start thinking about the four things that matter most now. Sounded like a promising sermon series to me, so here we go. It's no accident that I love you is the first of the four things that matter most. Love, of course, is a sine qua non of human existence, a without which not. Without it, we die, quite literally. It is as integral to our existence as the air we breathe and the water we drink. Three things abide, says St. Paul. Three things abide, faith and hope and love, and the greatest of these Now, the Song of Songs thinks it knows why love is the greatest gift in human existence. My own paraphrase of that passage I read just a moment ago. Love is strong as death and beautiful as fire. Now, a couple of interesting things about the Song of Songs. First, the title. Now, almost none of the Bibles came with titles at the very beginning, right? So in subsequent years, the synagogue and later the church had to make them up. 
And so we named the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have no idea who wrote those Gospels. We made it up. It's an educated guess. Same with the Song of Songs. For many centuries, we called this book the Song of Solomon because King Solomon had 300 wives and 700 mistresses. So who knew more about love than King Solomon? And then scholars began to notice that the vocabulary of this little book is not courtly and its subject matter is not princely and its language is more rustic than royal. And so the synagogue and later the church changed the title to Song of Songs, which is just another way of saying it, this is the most excellent of songs, right? That's the way the Hebrews talked when they wanted to label the greatest example in a category of being, they called it, well, Yahweh. Yahweh is God of gods and King of kings. The most sacred place in the temple is called the Holy of Holies. And so this is the song of songs. This is the most excellent of songs. This is the mother of all songs. And they say that more scholars have poured out more ink about this little book per verse than any other book of the Bible. Not so much because of this book's importance to the history and self-understanding of the synagogue and the church, but because scholars have spent centuries trying to figure out how a box of old love letters made its way into the Hebrew Scriptures. That's all it is, a box of old love letters. It's one of only two books in the Bible, that fail to mention the name of God under any name. God is absent from this book. And if you can tell me the other book of the Bible for which that's true, I'll give you a dollar. Just a box of old love letters. The only two verses that I can read from this book in church without getting fired are the ones I just read. Love is strong as death and beautiful as fire. It was only eight years ago, in 2010, that the U.S. Navy lifted its ban upon women serving on naval submarines. And so until fairly recently, just eight years ago, all submariners were men. And the Navy limited the communication between those submariners beneath the surface of the ocean and their wives back home to eight words at a time. So... Communication had to be a very clipped and efficient, right? But the Navy counted a Bible verse as one word. And so these submariners and their wives developed a code. A woman would write her husband on the submarine, SOS, one verse two. And the submariner beneath the waves of the ocean would look up in his Bible and it would say, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And he would send her a letter back SOS 4 verse 7. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. All these prayers and hopes coiled and hidden in a single verse. I miss you. God be with you. Please come home. SOS. Save our ship. SOS. Song of songs. 
So the Song of Songs, a woman writes a letter to her lover, and he responds. That's all it is. But if you read through this book, you might be surprised that in this otherwise patriarchal book, the feminine perspective is predominant. She gets 56 verses to his 36. And you might also be uh, surprised to discover that she's probably from Africa. She describes herself as black as pitch. And she says, love is such a great gift because it is as strong as death and beautiful is as fire. That is to say, love both grounds and launches us. Yes, it's both anchor and fireworks. It is strength, strength, stability and support on the one hand and joy and passion on the other. It is the comfort of home and the adventure of the journey. It is strong as death. That is to say, human love is the most resilient force on the planet. It does not capitulate to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. It does not to surrender to illness or age or divergent career paths or a houseful of rambunctious children or changing dreams or passing whims or your partner's sometimes challenging eccentricities. Opioid addiction is all over the news right now. Probably the worst health crisis of this young century. 115 deaths a day in America. And my heart just aches as I read these stories when I watch the families of these addicts go back to retrieve them again and again and again. Bail them out of jail for the third time for selling drugs. Get them out of rehab for the fifth time after 90 days. Stab him with a Narcon hypo after an overdose again and again and again. The persistence of this loyalty and love is just harrowing, but also awe-inspiring. Love is strong as death. Love is stronger than death, yes? Someone put it like this. Death ends a life, not a relationship. Death ends a life. Not a re- that is to say, we do not stop loving them when we say goodbye to them for the last time. Our love goes on and on and on. Love is stronger than death and beautiful as fire because it's mystery, romance, passion, adventure, combustion, and flame that will keep you warm all the days of your life. Do you know Emily Dickinson's little poem? To my small hearth his fire came, and all my house aglow did fan and rock with sudden light. T'was sunrise, t'was the sky, t'was noon, without the news of night, nay nature, it was day. Emily Dickinson. We think of her as this drab, timid recluse, but she had crushes. She fell in love. To my small hearth his fire came. And all my house aglow did fan and rock with sudden light. Strong as death and beautiful as fire, that's why it's the greatest gift and the first of the four things that matter most. But here's the thing. It can't just exist, right? Love can't just be. It has to be told. It has to be spoken. It has to be shared. Does silent love even exist? Maybe, because some of us are good at loving, but not good at expressing, yes? So maybe silent love exists. And yet, most of us are a little vulnerable, right? I don't know about you, my ego's a little fragile. I need to be reassured. I need to be reminded. I need to be told by those who love me that they love me. 
Do you remember that scene at the end of The Empire Strikes Back when Darth Vader is about to freeze Han Solo alive in a solid block of carbonite and Princess Leia does not know if she will see Han Solo again and so she says, I love you, Han, and he says, I know. <laughs> Most of us are not that self-confident. By the way, did you know that that's not the way the script read? That was spontaneous. Harrison Ford was supposed to say, I love you too. That's the way the screenplay was written. But Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford thought it was a little more Han Solo-like to say, I know. <laughs> Carrie Fisher was furious with him. She did not discuss this with him before the scene. Become one of the most iconic scenes in the Star Wars franchise. Dr. Bayak tells the story of Susan Armstrong, who was 42 years old when she received a diagnosis of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And you know the progression of this disease, right? First the, uh, the cane, and then the walker, and then no mobility at all. And finally, by the end in Susan's case, she could move one index finger, and she could blink her eyes at a chart of letters and words. She was 42 years old. Her daughter, Allison, was six. And so when it looked as if time would be short, Susan gathered all her best friends around her at her bedside. And she sent them on errands for dozens and dozens and dozens of birthday gifts. Birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, graduation gifts, a gift for Allison's wedding that Susan would never see. And her friends wrapped up those presents and put them in the attic until the proper milestone arrived. And then with her grueling, halting communication with eye blinks and finger pointing, Susan dictated dozens of messages to her friends who wrote them down in greeting cards and books in their own hand. And for every birthday and major life milestone until Allison was 20 years old, a gift, and a message. Dear Allison, I hope your seventh birthday is terrific. I hope you have the best party ever. Don't forget how much I love you and that I am always with you in spirit. I didn't want to leave you. You will always be my little girl and I will always be your mother. Happy birthday, sweetie. Every birthday till she was 20 years old. Do you see how love can be stronger than death and beautiful as fire? S-O-S 8 verse 7. Please pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for putting us in the trust of each other. Help us to be lavish and free and extravagant when we tell each other how we feel. Through the one who loved us best of all, Jesus, your Son, amen.